Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Twitter. On Twitter. 
Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from that Titans game tonight. We had the defense last night with Gabe Ferguson. Great show, went very long. I uh, hope you guys appreciate it and, uh, and got a chance to listen already. Tonight, great guest, Voss Laricos of Baltimore Beatdown. Voss, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Thanks for having an exciting time of year to see a lot of these players on the field for the first time. Always, always a pleasure to have you on as well. And uh, yeah, I love preseason football. Uh, you know, we went over this on the last show briefly, but it was you know hour and twenty in. So I want to make sure that we're, we we say we, I get a chance to say it again. I hate night football mm-hmm. as an analyst because it, it it makes me right way into the night, and and it's just it's a it's a pain for me personally. I'd, I'd much rather have one o'clock games uh, get off my lawn. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I do love preseason football, and I love watching the uh, watching the players and and having a lot of different players to grade is just kind of fun and evaluate. So uh, uh, we'll do some of that on this show. Uh, one of the first things I always like to start with in the uh, preseason games is the offensive line entry because I think that really tells you a lot about what's going on with uh, uh, the coach's thinking, uh, who's really got the lead at certain positions. And some interesting things, I think, came out of this. Uh, Juwan James on the left tackle, don't think was a surprise. Um, Any surprise to you that that he was the guy? No, not at all. I think he was the obvious choice considering Ronnie's rehab still not uh, being complete yet. Hope to see Ronnie back on the practice field after the second preseason game is the the hope. Mm -hmm. That would be terrific. I think, you know, if he were back for week one, that would be fine as well. I don't see him playing in the preseason, but maybe there is a reason to try and get him a few snaps just to get him to see some live fire during that time. But uh, uh, but we'll see how that goes. Left guard, we had Phillips, and we'll talk about his game a little bit. Uh, he did not play well, and I know there's been a lot of a lot of people who have said otherwise and and whatnot. You know, I'm looking through this game, and this is just this is a pretty well a cratering for Phillips. Uh, didn't play particularly well at left guard. Then he moved to left tackle, where he played very poorly. Uh, holding penalty and, and two sacks allowed, or actually a sack and a half the way I would score it, but still very very, very poor scoring in his uh, minimal time there. I saw the same with uh, with Phillips, and to to have it confirmed by you, the offensive line guru, uh, makes me trust my eyes a little bit better. It was a little bit surprising that he got the start with rumors out of camp were that uh, Powers had the lead in that battle, and obviously Powers was on the other side. Yeah, so Powers started at right guard, played only one series there, which kind of tells me he might still be in the lead at left guard. I mean, they weren't going to play Zeitler. So you could play Phillips at right guard, but, you know, one of the things with Phillips has been they've multi-positioned him so much in his you know, two, two-and-a-half camps so far that he hasn't really ever got to learn one position. And it would be nice to have him, have him do one. I think he's more suited to playing right guard. Uh, his length, uh, uh, you know, size, the ability to torque an opponent is very important on that size. It, it decreases the mobility uh, deficit that he has personally mm-hmm. to have him on the right side. I think there's a lot of reasons why he, he ought to be the guy to, to replace Zeitler. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work out from a timing perspective for Phillips because Phillips is in his third year now. Zeitler signed for two more, probably will play one more would be my guess mm-hmm. unless they extend him. Uh, so, it, it, unfortunately, that doesn't really work out for him. So he's got to have a different position. Yeah, I think a lot remains to be seen as far as that left guard competition after the first week, certainly. And um, Makari got the start at center, which one of the only sort of veterans, at least on the offense, to see some action. Um, he didn't necessarily perform too well either, but I guess we'll get into that down the road as well. 
Yeah, bad snap from McCary. I didn't have any other notes for him for the for the whole game, but uh, but he he had the bad snap that caused the fumble was really the the issue for me, and uh, that's been a trigger point for a lot of uh, Baltimore fans, obviously, over the last couple of years from what happened in Buffalo with McCary uh, uh, tossing one over Lamar's head at the uh, at the end of that game, and uh, really that was the that was the that was the final nail in the coffin. But uh, but uh, you know McCary had, is uh, a guy who can help the the Ravens. We think at three positions and possibly at four, maybe at right tackle I'm including, and any interior offensive line position. I'm not surprised at all that he just played a series and left. To me, he's a guy that as your you know, sixth man, your James Worthy kind of guy, you, you want to make sure he's healthy, and, uh, and they'll need him somewhere this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering if he's the anomaly of the short-armed prospect who's better at right tackle than he is on the inside. <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty big wondering there. I, 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 you know, it's easy enough to point at things and say, well, the snaps are not working out mm-hmm. on the inside, and at the right tackle, he's had you know some mixed mixed overall results, but but generally okay, and and more than you'd expect from a replacement level player. Uh, not what you'd hope for necessarily out of your right tackle if you really want to be a contending team. I mm-hmm. think you you probably want better than that. But, but uh, you know, he certainly has been a guy who could fill in. And I think that's, that's the value. They're paying him a lot of money for three years to be a guy who can fill in at an average level as opposed to a replacement level. On the inside, mm-hmm. I think he could be slightly above average. You know, at right tackle, I think, you know, they'll be kind of lucky if he does exactly what he did last year, which I think was pretty average. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well said. Powers at right guard got the start. Interesting that that was a little interesting because you think power starts at right at left guard plays one series he's out that then that defines your totem pole at left guard and you've got it set but it doesn't completely with him starting at right guard and then the really weird thing he moves to center for two series mm-hmm. so I, I you know I think I've heard two schools of thought on this I, the one I would take is that I think that pretty clearly means to me that that powers has a starting job in good position. Now, they didn't want to get him out of the game early, um, so they put him at center. But the other thing I've heard is that maybe they're showcasing powers. They still want to keep their options open on trading him if he can play center, and maybe he's looked better snapping the ball uh, you know, in practices, then he'd be a guy who could end up playing center somewhere else or being a, a, a broadly-based uh, interior offensive line backup. You know, somebody else's McCarry. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think also what you said as far as having Phillips play one defined role and Powers is, has more experience than Phillips, so he's more maybe ready or, or beneficial for him to, to get that cross-training. All right. All right, and then I guess one of the guys we really got a nice long look at was Daniel Falalele, and I want to go into his scoring a little bit later on. I also have scoring for, for Ben Cleveland, who is another player that we really want to take a look at. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. People can convince themselves of anything from individual clips from watching players like Falalele, Cleveland, and Phillips in this game. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think Phillips was fine. A lot of people think Cleveland was terrible. A lot of people think Falalele was either great or terrible. <laughs> and I kind of think he was in the middle. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll come back and, and do some of the scoring on this in a, in a little bit when we talk about the individual players. But uh, it's great to see Falalele get as many snaps as he did. Yes. Uh, he is very, very raw. And you, know, you see on tape... 
Um, depending on what you watch from Michigan, sorry, from Minnesota, there were a lot of games where he did more, I think, played less patty cake and did more in terms of trying to use his length. In this game, a lot of, a lot of very significant technical shortcomings that I think might be correctable uh, came out. So we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to go waste to Waste bending. Waste bending, not knee bending. I noticed that. Yeah, oh, that's another good one. Uh, I, I've, I've got three others that were so bad, you know, in terms of, of what you see. That, that, but, you know, the, the bend is, a, is certainly a question. Uh, it, we had other players coming later. I, I think the most important two to talk about are Cleveland, who played a lot. He played mm-hmm. the remainder after the first series, played the remainder of the first half at right guard. Then he moved to the second half, played left guard. I think this game actually was a good chance for him to, to rebuild some um, uh, trust capital with the coaches in terms of, of playing better. Um, he, he looked very physical. He was a finisher. We'll talk a little bit more about that with some scoring. But uh, I thought, I thought he, he looked pretty good. And, and uh, the order and the, the length of time they gave him in here says – we're by the fact that he he was four you know days uh, uh, not passing the conditioning test, and we're, we we want to see him back on the field and see what he can do again. Sure, both he and Falalele played the vast majority of the game, and they both had conditioning issues. Falalele from minicamp, and yeah, it's good to see them out there for sure. Um, yeah, I thought Cleveland. Uh, well, we'll get back into exactly all of that, but it was good. I guess it was about six series we had with those two on the right side. That's a lot of beef on that right side when they were lined up next to each other. Yep. Yep. All the all the remaining five series all in the first half that they were together. And they played together at left guard and right tackle for three more series after that, so they got a lot of time. Uh, Tristan Cologne, uh, definitely a guy who's on the bubble for this team. He's he's probably in a lot of trouble. Maybe more trouble if Powers is taking snaps at center. Uh, you know, is a guy who the Ravens certainly need backup centers other than McCarry because once you McCarry's kind of your trump card. Wherever your first injury goes, he's going to be the guy who, who replaces him either directly or by domino if it's the left tackle mm-hmm. that goes. And so he's going to be the first guy in. And and when you need your second guy replaced, you probably prefer not to make two changes to do it. So you, mm-hmm. if you only want to make one, then you really need to have a backup center. There's plenty of backup guards on this team. You know, there's even backup right tackles if, if that happens. So uh, if you want to if you want to make that that you know fill in for that second injury and not move McCarry in the process, you know, have already built up some line continuity, then you uh, you have an opportunity to uh, have Powers maybe move in directly at center. Uh, Cologne, I think it just it, uh, there's a couple of guys on the fringe of this roster who made sta- either made statements in this game or already have additional value um, uh, in terms of their positional designation. And I'm specifically talking about McKenzie here, and he really did both. He had a mm-hmm. good game, and he's got that wonderful offensive line designation that allows him to be the eighth offensive lineman and also the fifth defensive lineman for you in certain games if you want to go shorthanded on the defensive line. Um, and uh, and you know still be able to play jumbo packages at a minimum, but also replace somebody if you if you lose somebody during the game. Uh, he has a lot of value to the Ravens there. I think the Ravens are going to want to play him mostly at offensive line during this preseason just to maintain that designation. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean they're the Ravens, as we said before, they're out in front of that you know the numbers games and and all the little small tiny incremental advantages they can find. So McKenzie looks like he came in in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then what he had three series at right guard, and then played the final series 
at left guard. That's Looks right. like they actually put Phillips back in. They took him out and then put him back in for the final series as well. It was only one play, and it was a kneel, so it didn't okay. even count. I, I actually had McKenzie in there, but maybe it was Phillips. I think Phillips was in at left tackle, I believe. He came right, back right, right. in. Yeah. Right, left tackle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so McKenzie was in there for for all of the second half, actually, as it as it uh, as it went. So uh, he, I thought, I, you know, he's one of the players. I didn't score him individually, but I thought I did not see a bad play. I did not see a pressure event, and we you know we note those as we go through in our, on our offensive scoring, even when we're not doing specifically offensive line scoring for for one person. The rest of the guys who played Murray, Jones, Smith. Um, not on the roster, as far as I'm concerned. They don't really deserve a lot of attention from that perspective. Uh, kind of unfortunate that Sharp did not get a chance to play in this game. He's a guy who uh, it might be the first tackle up from the practice squad if something were to go wrong. So uh, he'd, he'd be a guy we'd you know, probably like to see more of. Yeah, Joe Smith was somewhat intriguing, but um, just by, by when he was inserted into the game, I think he's pretty far down the pecking order right now. Yeah, would agree on that. And we can come back and talk about about the players individually. But let's go ahead and what do we want to talk about next? We had a we had a whole show outline here, and I don't think we're going to want to waste that, do we? The wide receiver battle. How about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, much uh, discussed position. I thought that there was two undrafted rookies that both stood out pretty well. Um, Shamar Bridges as well as mm-hmm. Makai Polk. I thought they both made some really nice contested catches, some probably the two biggest, three biggest highlights of the game for the Ravens. Um, Not necessarily tremendous separators, but their ability to make tough grabs, concentration grabs for Polk down that right sideline where he laid out, and then the the way um, Bridges climbed the ladder and high-pointed that uh, that was probably the number one highlight of the game. they showed some good things. I think they probably showed more than, than I was expecting. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that both of them were good. Both of them were good in, you know, in, in, I, I, we can call them contested situations because the cornerback was close. Mm-hmm. But in all the cases where they were catching the football, cornerback never had an idea where the ball was. And that's really bad for them. I mean, they're playing man coverage. They were up in, in you know, in press. They didn't necessarily press the line of scrimmage, but they were, they were you know, close to the receiver as, as opposed to playing off. Uh, Huntley, with his the way he was throwing the ball around, was mostly short passes in the game, and he was making them pay for a lot of the off coverage early on. Uh, that, that high completion rate is, is pretty much all due to the short passes. But one of the, the kind of the artifacts of that was that when it was a little bit later in the game, and some balls are getting thrown up. Um, the cornerback who's in you know, there was a safety coming over in, in a, on, on several of these places including Bridges big catch but the, the corner had no idea where the ball was he, he was he was completely focused on Bridges Bridges went up nice and late for the football mm-hmm. uh, used his body I thought pretty well on the catch down the left sideline in particular to shield it a little bit and, and made an easy play on the ball when the when the, the corner really had no idea what was going on good trust uh, I thought to, to, to make this catch on the right side, you mentioned Polk. I love the catch he made where he extended his arms late. Because mm-hmm. that cornerback, again, had not looked back. He had, did not have eyes in the backfield. There was a safety coming over. Polk could have been alligator armed by that. We saw that out of Oconquo, the Titans guy mm-hmm. who, who, on Tony Jefferson's last snap. Tony Jefferson must have been five yards away from him. And Okonkwo was out, and then he, <laughs> then he was hands down like this. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you really uh, love to see that. But anyway, I thought Polk putting his arms out late and basketing that that football, when if he'd put him out a little early, he would have telegraphed where the ball was to the to the corner, 
I thought was really exceptional. Yeah, late hands for sure. I noticed that as well. Uh, who else did you like among the wide receivers? Um, those are the two that really stood out to me. I thought the, the three quote-unquote starters uh, left a little bit to be desired. Um, but um, Webb also had that really nice mm-hmm. over-the-shoulder catch on the blast drive from, I believe it was Hundley. Um, and that, that was a nice play. I'm not sure where he would necessarily fit on this roster that already has a lot of players with that similar skill set, but uh, good to make a play nonetheless. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I do a little compare and contrast and, and, and talk about him and Benjamin Victor, who, who had a good game, Benjamin Victor did, but the one catch he didn't make was down the left sideline on a ball where he laid out for it, and it was just frankly, it seemed like overthrown by Hundley would be the way you describe it, but the way I'd say it is, um, from my seats, the angle of that football was very flat, mm-hmm. and that's a ball where, a pol- uh, sorry, not Polk, um, Victor had some separation, lay that ball out there, show the receiver the trust that other receivers were shown in this game, and I think it's an easy catch for, you know, obviously a very big play, but, uh, but one where uh, Hundley just threw the ball a little flat. It didn't, didn't leave air under the ball. It was one of his few really poorly thrown balls of the day. And, uh, and it was unfortunate because, you know, it was a high-leverage play given it's a, it's a longer pass. It was. It was. Um, interesting you say that with the trajectory of the ball because you couldn't necessarily tell that from the broadcast. I believe Rod Woodson, who was calling the game, he he believed that the jump was mistimed. So, but then now, now that you bring that point up, I, it makes me reconsider. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's it definitely was a was a you need to catch the ball at this point ball as opposed to you put air under the ball. What it allows you to do is your receiver to track and react to that football and use his catch radius effectively, when which basically takes away some of his margin in terms of separation he already has from that cornerback but it allows him to, to, to make a play on the football with by using some of that separation currency, if we want to call it that. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I personally, my, as my immediate reaction, I, you know, I t- turned to Maureen right away and said, you know, that ball was way too flat. And it's, uh, uh, I, it's interesting that, that uh, Woodson saw it differently. He's, he's certainly he's, uh, NFL safety. He probably, you know, understands, and corner, he, he probably really understands that you, you got to throw that ball maybe a little flatter if a, if a safety is coming over. I'm trying to remember on that play if there was even a safety anywhere in the area. No, he had, he had space. He had a lot of green mm-hmm. in all directions. All right. All right. So, anyway, I was, I was pretty happy with the way Victor played. I want to go back to Webb for a second because Webb was one of the guys who actually got a little bit of separation on that right side. And that ball, the compare and contrast point I want to make was that ball was thrown up with plenty of air. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be also perfectly thrown, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. fantastic if you could do that and put air under it. But if, when you don't, he can, again, use some of that separation that he has to, to uh, you know, purchase some additional catch radius on that football. So uh, I, I, uh, I like that catch. I don't think it's going to help Webb make the team, but maybe maybe it's the difference between him, make, him making the practice squad or not. Yeah, certainly. And he was he received a, a good bit of special teams action, if I if I charted that correctly as well. Do you, do you see – now, we, we obviously got bad injury news um, at receiver. We got some good news today is that Bateman apparently had a very big day and Duvernay is back on the field, which is, is obviously very good. Um, but Tylen Wallace uh, is out for some period of time. But we don't, I don't think we have a good answer on that. I never think we really do. Um, and then also James Prochet. 
uh, appears to have some sort of injury that's going to keep him out for more than just a couple of days. One to two weeks was uh, what Harbaugh said on Prochet. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think they're playing with fire a little bit at receiver. I really do. I've thought that since the draft and you lose three receivers off the roster last year, you don't add any, and then you also don't sign a vet, and now you're just... I'd be pretty comfortable letting Polk and Bridges battle it out for that fifth spot, but if Wallace, I mean Wallace, uh, he didn't show too much in this game, and he's had not, he has not had a good camp from the folks that I've talked to, that have been out there every day. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit concerning, I'd say. There, there, Wallace. There's no, there's no wide receiver that the Ravens have competing for that number five spot that's going to give you what Wallace gives you on special teams. He's, he's. You know, got experience there. He's been a good player already on special teams. He's an you know, important gunner for the team. Uh, I, I think that you know, if, if they, they've, they're missing a big component on an absolutely loaded punt unit. By the way, we mentioned this briefly on the, on the offense podcast, but I'm, uh, defensive pod, but I'm not saying this again. They had all three of their big-time active safeties on the, on the punt team, and they had Stone at personal protector, Jefferson as a left wing, and Hamilton as the right wing. That is an unbelievably <laughs> over-talented punt team. If they find the Gunners to go with those guys, and that's who they really want to go with this season, that is that is a terrific unit. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Uh, I was surprised that I didn't see too much of Hill, if at all, Justice Hill, uh, on, uh, on, as a Gunner. And I, when he was healthy two years ago, that was uh, really where he made his mark. So could even be a competition between Hill and and Wallace and, and how that all kind of intermingles and all those roster um, moves that they're going to have to make. But I just, Wallace, um, I had high expectations for him coming into this season. Um, and I hope he, I hope he lives up to them because that would really be a key piece for this, for this offense, I think. And this, that's an interesting point on Hill because he was in the game fairly early at running back, and that running back pecking order does matter. Obviously, Davis was, was the first one in. But uh, Hill had a good game as a pass blocker, I thought. It, he, mm-hmm. he did some things that Beatty didn't in that regard. And, you know, this, this, is, a, this is a place where uh, if Hill can uh, give us some more snaps and, and, and really show some pass rush chops and they can actually design plays to keep him in, um, as, a, as a pass blocker. If he does more of that, I mean, he's, he's a candidate for, to be a third down back. I mean, they're not going to cut Beatty, obviously, but uh, he'll give them some other things in terms of speed and, and the ability to threaten the outside. Uh, he did not play a single special team snap, so you're right on that uh, in mm-hmm. terms of that. And he's a guy, he is a guy I would expect to see at Gunner. Oh, yeah. He was uh, one of their best, if not their best special teams player, maybe not their very best, but as far as an outside player, two years ago, I thought he was the tone setter. He really was. Um, and I also noted that his pass protection seemed much improved. I mean, he was th- dropping shoulder and, and really putting forth good effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I just want to mention that I thought was really good generally in the wide receivers are I really like the way they went up high for the football. No, no fear in doing that. And it's always nice when the cornerback doesn't know where the ball is. <laughs> you can go up, for the, go up for the football and not feel like you're in a lot of danger. But I thought they did some of that over the middle as well. Uh, the only ball that really I was a little bit disappointed with how high the receiver got was Polk, and he did get a hand on the ball, but didn't over the middle was one of the only incompletions of the game for Huntley. I guess the other one was down that left sideline. Uh, one is just a little bit high, and it looked like he might have kind of short-armed the ball there. Yeah, I would. Cons- I 
I consider that a drop, to be honest with you. That was, um, I mean, I thought Polk had a good game, but that was, mm-hmm. in my mind, he, a play he should have made. All right. Uh, the QBs, let's talk a little bit about them, because they came in in a, a little bit different order than I expected. I, I really expected Hundley to be the guy who would relieve Huntley directly, uh, but we didn't. We saw Brown uh, immediately after Huntley, and he played well. He did play well. I think um, he played. He's a capable, undrafted free agent, dual threat kind of player. I think maybe that's one of the advantages that this Greg Roman zigzag scheme brings, where they can find players like uh, Huntley and Brown. And there is, you know, the college game is going in that direction more and more. And if you could find an undrafted QB2, QB3, and keep restocking your shelves that way instead of spending, uh, you know, Six ten million dollars on a pocket passing backup quarterback. That's an advantage for the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great point on the on the zigzag methodology too. And you, when you, whenever you can build your franchise with zigzagging, you got a you got a better chance. You know, mm-hmm. the Ravens. All this last year, articles have been written by uh, Connor Orr and whatnot, talking about how the Ravens are are, are taking advantage of market inefficiencies. I, I I think that's also true at quarterback here. And I guess in looking at this. Brett Hundley is a is a more um, seasoned quarterback. He's been around the league. He had uh, about nine starts, I think, with the Packers. Although he's three and six career, and there's nothing special there. Um, the problem is he's already passed the fourth year, so he's a guy you have to pay for every year. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to pay him the vet minimum, and that's probably all he is at this point for for the rest of his career. But if he if he ever gives you a good season, he's going to be more the vet minimum, and he'll be somebody else's backup quarterback, or he'll be somebody else's backup quarterback. Um, with with Huntley and now with with um, Brown, if he's the guy they they try and retain, whether that's on the practice squad or as QB three, um, they get another four year option on a player, mm-hmm. and that's that's uh, exciting and and it does make sense from from that perspective that they would give Brown the better chance, uh, even even if they thought Huntley maybe was a tick better as a player to start with, and I think uh, we saw pretty darn good play from Brown. Yeah, yeah, he was efficient. Um, I think Roman really had uh, the quick game, you know, the quick game, as you mentioned, with with Huntley. I, I do think I would be pretty surprised if they keep kept a third quarterback on the yeah. roster. There's just too much depth and too many quality players at some of the other positions. But uh, just going back to Huntley, um, who I do expect to be the backup, I thought he did a really nice job executing the script that Roman – um, put forth. He was just precise on target. Uh, he just—he was very poised, and I, he, I was impressed by that. I, I, I agree. I mean, it was a lot of short passes. There wasn't mm-hmm. much in the way of deep opportunities. But then again, you know, the, the offensive line in a way was kind of makeshift. You know, with Falili and James starting at positions that are unfamiliar to each of them. James has always been a right tackle. Falili's barely been a tackle at all so far in his life. Uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're dealing with some potential inefficiencies in terms of, of uh, pass blocking. And I think that, that they did a good job of doing exactly what they did at the end of last year. Just They just did it better in terms of Huntley being effective from the pocket with a lot of short throws. Uh, Ravens playing with several shorthanded groups in this game. Obviously, several on the defensive side. I mean, the cornerback, they had six of their top seven uh, cornerbacks miss the game. Uh, if, if you look at uh, tight end, though, Isaiah Likely 
was the only tight end of note who played it all. I mean, they had Oliver in there who, who you know played for a little bit for the Ravens last year, but I don't believe many people expect him to make the initial 53 this year. Yeah, and Poljan, um, the tight end convert, played uh, the game book had 29%. I know you do it a little bit different. This the way you score it. Yeah, but that's so, good. Okay, so I, he wasn't overly impressive. Actually, it was a little bit, uh, you know, he didn't show very much. Oliver, I thought this was almost a showcase game for Oliver, but they wanted to put him in uncomfortable position and see if he could could manage them, and I don't think he did well. I don't think he's the kind of player that really needs to earn, to wow the coaches to earn that spot, and I don't think he necessarily did that. Between his blocking, he just he doesn't have the strength to uh, to really handle you know, his blocking responsibilities, and if you don't have that, then you better be making some guys mitts after the catch, and he didn't do that. I mean, he put forth effort. I will say it looked like he was blocking hard and trying to pick up yards at the catch, but uh, entering his fourth year now, I believe, his uh, his long-term future is, is certainly up in the air. Yeah, and, and that's obviously a very key, big key with Oliver, both those things. He's a lot of short receptions in both preseasons that he's had significant time for the Ravens. In fact, in the regular season as well, his, his catches have generally been short ones. Um, two, two out of two targets for 14 yards. It's not terrible, you know, but it's but it's not good either. And uh, as a fourth-year player, he has zero option value after the 53 is determined this year. So you, you have some value this year in having a player who's not terribly expensive. Next year, you don't have him at all. He's a, he's a free agent, and, and uh, you know, He'll he'll go somewhere else, or you'll pay a market value one or the other. So it's not like a uh, you know a, 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 even a player like Poljan, who it, uh, clearly is not very polished right now, has lots of holes in his game. Uh, but even as a as a, I don't remember even if he's a first or second year player. I think he played a little bit for the second. Ravens. Second. He played a little uh, bit for the Ravens last year. Actually, I'm not did. sure if his clock started. He did. Yeah. Okay. I, that's that's the question. I mean, I, it, so whether he's one or two it doesn't make too much of a difference. He's still got some option value. You still you still could project some growth on a player like that. Whereas Oliver, if he can't play right now, you're done with him. I mean, if he can't give you something this year, I wonder if he would he would go to the P squad if another team would poach him or not. I'm not positive because he just hasn't shown very much. He really hasn't. Well, you don't worry about it if he mm-hmm. if he does. So, and I, I I don't think your practice squad spots are so much in um, demand that you really have trouble keeping one tight end there, certainly. But if it's a question of, of keeping Poljan or keeping um, uh, uh, Oliver, I'm not sure which way they end up going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. What's the next comment? Turnover margin. Oh, turnover margin. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is what it is. Non-capitalizing. We're in the auto-correct world we live in here. <laughs> really obscure what you're trying to say something. But anyway. It took me thing. three times to figure it out, but yes. I got it. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the, the Ravens did a good job of holding on to the football in this game. And, and uh, the defense, I thought, created turnovers in exactly the way that we want them to do this year. Get the lead. Look into the backfield, 
you know, get get in positions where you can look into the backfield, play zone defense, you know, play back, whether that's cover three, cover two, uh, whatever you want to do, and find ways to make plays on the football. And they did a lot of that. Geno Stone in particular in the second half, but also Worley. I mean, you know, they were forced into a passing situation. They threw up a ball for for Travion Burks, and, and uh, the ball was underthrown under pressure. Exactly what you want to see. And Worley made a play on the football. He was, he was, he was looking into the backfield to do it. Um, I love that. The first fumble was just, it was just good football. It was, mm-hmm. it was Urban getting into the backfield, disrupting the play, and then Harrison following it up and knocking it loose. And then because that had been done, because all the disruption had occurred, we had three guys on the football there. Right, with, right. They were uh, wrestling each other for the ball. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. That's, wasn't that cool? This yeah. Hamilton, you know, come away as third man of the ball there. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but but on 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 offense, they they held on to the football, and if it weren't for the bogus uh, uh, non incomplete call on the sack, you know, mm-hmm. we should have been should have been a booth challenge. Um, I, th- I thought that uh, you know, outstanding, exactly what you want, obviously, in terms of uh, turnover margin. Yeah, and the first game, and a lot of young players, and a lot of guys that haven't been seen a lot of contact the last you know eight months or whatever, six months. Um, to hold on to the ball with all the backs and everything, you definitely want to see that. You know, three to one turnover margin, thirty-five minutes time of possession, um, five plays of twenty-plus yards on offense versus only two for Tennessee. You, you check those three boxes, you're winning a lot of games. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that they won the the long play battle by that kind of margin. I can immediately think of the twenty-nine yard run and the, and the long pass up the left sideline for Tennessee. Has to be there too. That was the only two, yeah. And, and, and I'm having trouble getting to five for the Ravens, but um, I know they were there. The McCrary run. The McCrary I think run. Bridge, yeah. Bridges had two, mm-hmm. Polk had one, and I can't recall the, the fifth. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, it's one of these things about being a football fan and being an analyst, you're always kind of a worry wart. I, 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 at least I am. I don't want to project that on you, of course, my friend. But uh, I, I want to be optimistic about things, and yet I worry about the holes more than I appreciate all the advantages that the Ravens have with their uh, with their good roster. Yeah, I think a lot is lost in conversation yeah. <laughs> with uh, on on media platforms when we're not having a conversation like this, where we can say, "I think they're going to win 13 games," but I'm a little bit concerned if they have enough at Z receiver for the playoffs versus you think the team's going to, you know, be eight and eight or eight and nine or whatever it is. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you for on that for sure. But I think it's a good, you know, they they got a real good chance this year, I think, but. Long way to go, but it's a good-looking team. All right, fair enough. Let's go, let's go to some position groups. The way we've been doing this is you pick a player at the position group. We'll start with offensive tackle that you want to talk about, saw some things, whatever it might be, and then I'll pick one, and, and we can kind of bounce each one. Yeah, so let's start with uh, Juwan James. Um, starting at left tackle, he's a right tackle by trade. I believe the last time I played left tackle was in college. Um, watching it live, I was very – pleased with the way he played uh on second watch i I picked up some some warts that i didn't necessarily see uh live but overall um i thought he uh he really played well as a as a run blocker he was really pushing people around leading some blocks um not great as a pass blocker he was beat with speed once and beat uh just bold on another play um, it is a transition going from uh, right to left, but just off the cuff, considering what we saw from Villanueva last year, 
I, I feel better about the backup situation than I did before this game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that, that James uh, projects uh, to be a little bit better in terms of a backup player. I still very much hope he's the backup left tackle at most for this team. It would even be great if if somebody else would step up and just tear that job away from him. Like if, if Falili had some meteoric growth, that would be terrific. Mm-hmm. But uh, but James, I thought, did, did play okay in this game. Uh, he did uh, get beaten outside on the sack zero, so he got a part of that for me. And to me, that really was a pressure from the linemen's perspective. They they got uh, kind of pincer clawed both sides. Falili and and James kind of broke down, and uh, Huntley was able to escape that, move up in the pocket, and then he didn't deliver the football. And you know, when you take a sack zero, first of all, there's no difference from an incomplete other than the time running off the clock and and whatnot. So it, it, not really too concerned about that. Um, I think most of that sack actually goes to Huntley and trying to make a play. And and I you know, what really loss is there? So. More or less happy with James on that. I thought James had some pretty good position in terms of run blocking, in terms of ceiling on that left edge, uh, which I liked. Uh, I think that uh, you know feet left something to be desired. Uh, probably was not playing with tremendous balance, and that might have been some of the anchor issues you saw with the bull rush. Uh, but anyway, I, I see a player there who's certainly more polished than Falele, which is not saying anything. I don't know that he'll be the left tackle, and it wouldn't be Moses if Stanley can't go. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Each of them has some very limited experience, I believe, as a pro at left tackle. Very limited. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, for, for Moses, it's many years ago. For, for James, it's also many years ago because he hasn't even played football in you know, a long time. But I think, I, would we say at least that, that it's, it's a very encouraging sign that the guy you only spent three million on to be your backup left tackle comes in and he can at least play at this level, which seemed to be maybe above the replacement level. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think he was one of the biggest winners of this game, personally. All right, I'll, I'll take another offensive tackle. I, I kind of want to get to my scoring of uh, Daniel Faltalele here, and let me make sure I bring up the uh, proper thing that has my notes on that. So, okay, first of all. We could probably talk for a half hour on this first game just because there were so many things. And and technically, you you mentioned the bend, you know, not being what you want. There's even some more fundamental things that bother me. Incredibly late out of his stance. Mm. Uh, A a couple of times. In fact, on one play, if you look at Q1730, you'll see about the latest you can ever get out of your stance as a right tackle. And he still had a highlight block on the play. So he drove somebody, you know, a number of yards after being up. Cleveland was up late, too. And it's almost like he was looking at Cleveland because he maybe couldn't see the football or something being snapped from where his position was. But anyway, whatever the reason, incredibly late out of his stance. And that wasn't the only time. Multiple times where he was, you know, um, two ticks late, I'll, I'll call it. When, it, when, it, when I mean two ticks, I am probably mean like six one-hundredths of a second because I mean two clicks on the mm-hmm. uh, fast forward on the, on the DirecTV remote. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that was uh, that was one thing that, that really bothered me. The other is he is um, uh, he's a two flipper pinball player. Now, what I mean by that is he he does not have independent hand usage. If you ever watch somebody play pinball, first indication that they suck. Okay, <laughs> is that they want to use both flippers at the same time all the time to save a ball down the middle. And you're almost always better off you know, trying to judge and going right-left very quickly or left-right very quickly mm-hmm. to try and save that ball, as anybody you know, who's played a little bit knows. And, and he just does not have independent hand usage. So he, he throws his hands up, 
and doesn't even always like make contact to take advantage of that length that he has. You know, mm-hmm. he was drafted by the Ravens it, it, for his physical characteristics more than anything. And you know, it's one of the things they need to, to establish with him is you've got to dictate first contact on these pass rushers. Yes, they're quick, but your punch will impact them and disrupt them in a way that, that changes the nature of the, the interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for this first game, I didn't think it was horrible or awful. Um, I'd be interested to hear what your what your grade was. Um, you know, I thought he made some nice down blocks for sure, mm-hmm. and he used his length. I mean, I don't know if it's it was the best he could have technically, but the length still plays sometimes. Sometimes it's still just insurmountable. So. You know, a lot to do. Um, I thought, you know, he really needs a lot of polish on that vertical set. That's, I thought, what really stood out to me. And again, he just, you know, bending at the waist, not at the knees. That was just, he loses all his leverage, all his power that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So... He's got a long way to go, but uh, but they have a good coaching staff to bring the best out of him. Yeah, it's 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 got to be very difficult for a player his size to learn to not bend at the waist because it, it, when he bends only at the knees, it's almost impossible. He'd have to be walking around like a duck to get lower than anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's a, he's a he's a very interesting physical specimen, but. Um, the other thing I saw was way too deep in terms of pass sets. In fact, he was he was allowing the cone to be invaded without the pass rusher doing a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, uh, he has a natural kind of desire to mirror, and that's fine. And it's actually okay. It's Ronnie Stanley's technique to kind of give ground while mirroring, um, and, and you kind of trade A for B. But, but Stanley also uses his hands. And he's good about keeping the quarterback, you know, from getting touched in any way. Falili's just not using his hands properly, which is which is part of the problem. He, he, he has them up, and he's patty caking, and and he's he's also stepping back as he does so, which means that 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 edge player is not having to work to get him back towards the pocket. And then all of a sudden, he's too close to Huntley. Huntley's already had his throw impacted by the fact that that the cone is um, compromised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and he can't step into a throw a lot of times if it's at all to that side of the field or he can't do it comfortably anyway, which is you know just as bad a, a lot of times. And, uh, and and that's a shame because I think all those problems are probably correctable. He was a little grabby in the game too. Didn't get called for holding, but he got beat a couple times where where he could have been, and his score might end up being a lot worse by my system if he'd done it. But he got, but he got away with some some things and uh, uh, and it didn't end up being as bad as as all that. Uh, I thought the nice thing about it was he didn't give up a full sack or a quarterback hit in the game. I gave a part of, of the sack zero, but uh, no quarterback hits in the game, which is nice. Uh, were, were, were really his responsibility, or even partially his responsibility. He did have parts of five pressures he gave up, and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that wasn't so good. Three fulls and two half. Uh, if you read my article on the topic, I've got the time references for people who, who want to go back and look at the stamps, and I, I uh, always appreciate that. Uh, he was part of the pincer movement, as I mentioned, on Huntley, where he gave up what well, was really another half pressure, but it's really a sixth of a sack as I scored it. So it's it's four full pressures and, and one uh, sixth of a sack, which totals a minus nine on, his, on the scoring system. And... Uh, what else was there? He didn't. He did not have a pull. He had. He's not assigned to do that, so he didn't run a counter the other way, and they didn't somehow scoop him outside to, to uh, uh, you know, 
pull outside a tight end on a play who might have been down blocking. They didn't do any of that. Um, we'll probably see something of that in the preseason because I think they want to see how he can move. Uh, he did make two blocks in level two. He did not have a pancake, which is a little bit disappointing. You know, he's a bigger guy, and you really want him to finish, flatten some people, get a little mm-hmm. nasty and whatnot. But he had three highlights where he drove defenders five-plus yards down the line of scrimmage. So that, on the other hand, is very good. Uh, you mentioned the down blocking a little bit earlier, and I just want to come back to that, is that that's a, a spot where I think he did exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really teed up players uh, for whoever he's playing next to, whether it was McKenzie, uh, might have been Powers on that first drive, and whoever Cleveland. else was playing right guard. Cleveland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did a, did a good job setting up uh, uh, players went down blocking, I thought. Uh, you, know, you put it all together, and the lack of really big negative plays helps him get to a C after adjustment. Uh, there's a lot to work on here. He's a, no doubt about it, a project tackle. Any hope that I would have that he could be the guy who step in at left tackle is not realistic for 2022. But, um, he, you know, he's, he's a guy I hope still uh, can be an effective right tackle, at least in the future for the Ravens. Yeah, I think he's ideally he's a 2023 uh, starter. Um, I believe Moses is one year one year deal, correct? Three, I think. I, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe they can get out of it. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but he could still help his team, I think, as an extra blocker potentially this year. And who knows? You know, he could make a big jump between preseason week one and he watches the tape and and really gets coached up and by the third game he, he's looking um, a little bit more refined right there is uh, to, to your point there is about a two and a half million dollar savings on okay. cutting Moses next year okay so uh, so they can get out of it but uh, uh, so he's got a fairly flat three year 15 million dollar deal okay okay um, Moses we well, didn't see uh, I'm sorry go ahead no uh, please uh, Moses, we didn't see play, of course. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other offensive tackles we haven't covered yet. No one else really of note besides Phillips, you know, his snaps at oh, the tackle. Oh, yeah. That did not go well. So Phillips, in his, in, in, he gave up uh, portions of sacks on two consecutive plays. The first one was really a full sack. The second one was more of a half sack. Um, they gave up on the Ravens' last two meaningful offensive plays and led to the fumble. Um, both bad. He had a holding call uh, prior to that, so he really imploded at tackle. That's uh, you know you can't recover from having three bad plays, and you certainly can't recover when you play less than a half a football at left tackle. Um, at, when he was at guard, he also did not look great. He definitely had some negative notes in terms of uh, pass blocking there as well. Uh, you know, if if Cleveland needed to script his own plan to win the left guard job back uh he pretty much did it in this game powers you know you're still ahead of him it appears but uh but phillips took a step back and power and cleveland honestly took a step forward in this game and and i think he's uh he's in better shape than he was yeah i guess i'll just give my thoughts on all three since they're kind of all competing for the same job um phillips i agree um i i his highlight play was the pull block he made on the Davis touchdown, which he really did a nice job sealing off that backer. Um, and other than that, he didn't show a whole lot of, uh, of positive. Um, Powers didn't play a whole lot. Um, I really did notice he was struggling to gain any, just to get any movement off the line. There was mm-hmm. at least two or three plays where at the end of the play, he was on his knees at the line of scrimmage with the defensive lineman 
right there. Um, but the nice play I liked from Powers, and I'll just, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you on that, but I just, before we move on to, to, to another player, um, he and Mason and also Cleveland, on the play before the touchdown that Davis had, uh, Davis ran for six yards right at the middle, and the pile got moved. It was those three who were doing the moving. And mm-hmm. so Powers was a big part of that, and I like that, that, that you know, guys understand what the situation is. And it's, it's a preseason game, so you really want to make sure you don't end up falling on somebody's legs uh, mm-hmm. o- over that. But on the other hand, that's a, that's a nice thing. We remember Yanda pushing, I think, Ray Rice. Mm-hmm. Which, which I'm saying we remember, and then maybe I'm not remembering, but I think it was Ray Rice, uh, in, in the overtime game to get the first down in the Mile High Miracle. A lot of memorable plays in that game. Yeah. Um, circling back to Cleveland, and I thought he was maybe the best offensive lineman or one of the best in this game. Um, note, noted that he had a very nice drive block on a, uh, on a duo concept. Just he had good push. Um, and they used him to pull uh, on, from both sides. Uh, so I wanted to, I think they wanted to see how he, was, how he would move out of space. Um, made a nice down block. You know, in pass protection, he's pretty good at mirroring. He really is. And I, I'm sure his size plays into it. He's not, you know, a dancing ballerina. But pass rushers really have a hard time getting around him. Um, I, and I, the other big note I had, um, really good as far as switching on stunts. Mm-hmm. There was at least two plays where, and you could kind of tell that he was the, the main communicator. He just seems like a cerebral player. I will say uh, there were also some plays where I still wished I saw a little bit more physicality out of him, uh, a little bit more of that nasty. But all in all, I thought it was a really strong game for Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, I agree on, on almost all those points, I think. It, it definitely, I thought I saw some physicality in terms of him being a bully, which was good. I, I really wanted to see that, and I think it was important to see that given where camp started for him this year. You know, obviously he's, he's uh, standing back. Uh, I, I had him, the only negative event I had for him was a one-third share of a quarterback hit. He was at right guard at the time. Beatty picked up the def- defensive end Lawler on that side. Uh, and I'm sorry, he was at left guard, and he pulled to the right. That was what it was. Mm-hmm. And he and uh, he, he did not have anyone to block. And he is normally an outstanding look for work player. Usually a great inside out processor. It's one of the things I really loved him about him when when they drafted him. And they saw uh, he he eventually tried to help on Lawler, but it was actually a little bit late. And it was one of those plays he certainly could have made the point. He deserved a, a share of that one, unfortunately. Uh, he also had a share of a pressure uh, with Cologne uh, when they allowed Peavy, it was, to – they were double-teaming him, and they allowed Peavy to jump up and deflect the pass of the line of scrimmage. It was one, one of the last drives that got stopped. Q4, 15 minutes. It ended that drive. Uh, he had uh, um, five missed blocks. Four of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's a more serious type of loss, particularly for an interior lineman, is to get beat. If, a lot of times an interior lineman will be responsible for either pulling, and if he misses a block or can't find a block, it really can't find a block is, the, is the what you want, then that's not really a loss at the line of scrimmage and is not as severe. If he goes to level two and he can't find a block w- without helping somehow at level one, then, then that's not as severe also. If he slips entering level two, that's not as severe as, as long as he didn't miss a blocking response responsibility of the line of scrimmage. But these other ones where he's, where he's losing at the line of scrimmage, um, some of these were cases where uh, if the ball had not been out quickly on pass plays, it might have turned into a pass rush event. And so while his grade was quite good, I think that you know there's still more for Cleveland to grow as a pass blocker from this game. 
Uh, I had him for making five of six pulls in the game, one block in level two, two pancakes. So I like the physicality he showed there. Um, he had a nice highlight combination block uh, that really led that Davis RM6 that we talked about earlier, the, the one that was right before the Davis touchdown run. So, and, and that ended with him pushing the pile. Uh, on that play, so I like that. Uh, .82 overall scoring, a B after a small adjustment for him. I had a much bigger adjustment for, uh, for Fala Lely because he had more highlight blocks in the game. Uh, but, but this was a, 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 a solid game for Ben, definitely something to build on, and definitely, I think, made up ground in that left guard competition. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's a... I mean, obviously, we don't know what the coaches are thinking, but I think they, all three of them have a real shot to, uh, to become the week one starter at this point. All right, let's move on to the next position group because I think we kind of uh, have, have gone through that pretty thoroughly. We actually got into the guards here. Uh, other interior offensive linemen we need to mention? Um, I guess Cologne. Uh, just, I think Cologne's a replacement-level player. He's a player that can start games. He's not going to be a star, and depending on the matchup, he may or may not, you know, just a serviceable player. Yeah, I would agree, um, and I think he's, his job is in a lot of jeopardy. Uh, and I, the other guy I would bring up that I think made a big move in this game and, and has a good chance to take Cologne's 10th man spot is McKenzie. I think that he looked pretty good as a blocker. I didn't have him for any notes for a pressure in this game. I thought he did pretty well as a run blocker. You know, he's in there in the second half. You do have to consider context for that. But on the other hand, you know, you want mistake-free football first and foremost. Maybe he gets an early chance in, in week three after whatever veterans are going to play have played what they're going to do in week two. And I think they're going to have another sit-em-out game in week three. And, uh, and he may get a, a, a longer rest there. But the big thing he has is the versatility to play on the defensive line, which is really the primary asset that he brings to Baltimore Ravens. He'll, he, if... If things go the way the Ravens expect, he will never play an offensive line snap this year. But he will play defensive line snaps, and he will do that in jumbo packages when they're short on people. He'll do it, uh, in, you know, short yardage when they when the other team's trying to uh, maintain a lead and they're trying to run the ball. He's he's a guy you can bring in if if you if you lose a guy on the inside and and have another you know nose tech slash three three tech uh, that that, that uh, you can bring in the game another big body. Uh, just a lot of value in having him as your eighth active on game day. So if he makes the roster, I think he'll actually be active for a number of games. Yeah, certainly. I, I think really the real value is if you have an in-game in injury. Because if you have everyone healthy, I think they have some really high-quality defensive linemen this year for the first time in a while. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, there will be games where they'll want to activate only four defensive linemen because they want to emphasize other positions and whatnot, particularly in the secondary and, and against teams that, that you know, run a lot of 11 or run almost mm -hmm. all 11 because there's plenty of that in the National Football League. You, you, know, you only play the Browns twice a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so so you know, that's a team where you want a lot of base defense. You'd certainly dress five defensive linemen. But there will be other times when they'll, be, they'll certainly be tempted to dress four. And one of the nice uh, security blankets there is having McKenzie as your eighth offensive lineman. Agreed, for sure. All right. I think that takes care of the OL, so let's move on. What position would you like to do next? How about we do it that way? Um, let's go to running back. Sure. Well, I guess we already kind of covered quarterback, right? So we can yeah, go, I think go so. to running back. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mike Davis uh, was the starter. Um, he's a player that's been a quality player in the league for a while, did some good things with the Bears, was basically the starter for the Falcons last year. Um, tripped up on his first carry. Had that nice off-tackle touchdown. 
Um, pass protection was good. I think he's just that steady vet presence, almost like a Latavius Murray with a little bit more juice maybe, yeah. a little bit more wiggle. Um, you know, depending what happens with Gus, and I think we're expecting Gus to probably start the season on Pup at this point, if Dobbins is your one and Davis is your two, and then you have a competition for three, I think. Yeah, I, I guess I would agree with that. Um, uh, he was certainly first into the game. That would tell you where the coaches think he is right now uh, in terms of that. I think they think he's a, a, you know, a versatile back who can uh, give you a little bit between the tackles, also can be a little bit of a receiver. My problem with him is he's never been a high yards per touch guy, and he's been in some pretty favorable offenses for that happening uh, with, with Matt Ryan in particular. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's been kind of – it frustrated me about the thing. I, I, when I look at him, I, I'm thinking he's an end-of-the-roster guy who probably you can make a vet man deal with uh, – sorry, a handshake deal with to, to get an extra player onto the roster. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's an option. I mean, maybe they, maybe they, they do something like that. Maybe a player like, uh, like Justice Hill or Beatty, which should certainly you'd expect to make the team uh, to start the year. But maybe Justice Hill is probably you know, would be a good example of a player. You want to keep one more running back, and you start – one on injured reserve, uh, and, and whichever one of them honestly has a has a little bit of an injury, you can move the other there, um, and and uh, and still have your uh, your fifty three. I'll, I'll move on a little bit and talk about Hill because I was I thought of all the players he did the most impress me in this year. He's a fourth year player, so it's a play now or don't play at all time for Justice Hill. So the Ravens just need to figure out honestly, can this guy help us? Um, threaten the entire horizontal nature of the line of scrimmage the way the, the Roman offense does? Can, can he be a legitimate threat that draws defenders away? Uh, can he play with the mesh point with Lamar? Well, he, has not, he hasn't even done that much of that. Um, and can he be in there on passing downs? I thought that's the question he really answered in this game was he, he had several pass blocking opportunities in this game where I thought he looked pretty good and, and a lot of the other guys they were in there on some pass blocking downs but they weren't really pass blocking Hill was actually in there pass blocking on some of his plays so that was good um, and, uh, and and you know hopefully that means that you can take advantage of his speed and have him make some big receiving plays now Unfortunately, that's not something we've ever seen from Justice Hill. He's never really been a valuable outlet receiver, screen receiver, whatever you want to call it, despite having all the characteristics we would hope for there. Yeah, he hasn't shown it on the field. I have seen it at practice. I have seen him really be very elusive, um, little swing passes, stuff like that. I like Hill. I I always kind of have since since that game against Pittsburgh where they rested their starters in 19 or um, he really played well, and I think he does add a little bit more juice. He has a little bit more burst, um, but but I think he's added some physicality this year, and it's a very interesting how this running back situation is going to play out. Um, are they going to carry four? Are they going to carry three? Are they going to carry three with the idea that Gus is going to be back relatively soon? There's a lot of balls in the air there. But as far as is he a 53-quality uh, player, I do believe he is. Okay. And I, I would agree with that. And I, I don't think the Ravens are going to concern themselves over the 
typical numbers that go with a 53-man roster because you, you certainly think you really only want three running backs with a 53-man roster on a normal kind of a year. But they don't have a 53-man roster. They really have a 56 or a 57 under the current rules and this very liberal treatment of injured reserve and whatnot. So, yeah, and then they got the pop, you know, with, the, with, with players coming back from that. So the, the Ravens will be smart. They'll be all about designing themselves uh, relief. And running back is certainly a position where they can do that during the regular season. Uh, and, and hopefully they not only, you know, find the guy that they want to sneak on to the 56-57-man roster, but they also, you know, bring in a guy from somebody else's practice squad, somebody else's ca- cast off to be the guy that really fills the stylistic need that they don't have covered mm-hmm. at the end of camp. Mm-hmm. And I did not notice Hill as a kickoff return man, and I know he had done some of that in the past. He didn't play any special team snaps, so yeah. he didn't. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's just a product of he's coming off that Achilles. It's less than a year that he that he ruptured his Achilles. So maybe that's the reason. I'm not sure, but I did I did find that a little bit interesting. Yeah. And he. Uh, it's that's uh, that's additional value whenever you can do those kind of things. I, I felt kind of bad the way they treated uh, Peppy Williams last night because they had him playing three different positions. He played slot corner, outside corner, and safety for the entire second half. I mean. Right, right there, I mean, he, he – I, I don't know that his development is being stunted. What I'll say is Peppy Williams has certainly made the team. Peppy Williams has, has certainly, I think, all but won. I mean, he'd really have to trip over himself. He has all but won the slot corner starting job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and I, I don't know, you're probably down there at the stadium practice and, you know, other times, and, and he hasn't played exclusively uh, slot corner in practice. They'd had him on the outside a fair amount. Right. And and uh, to me, he's he's the obvious slot corner starter because there's just every everybody else pretty much is an outside guy. Ardarius Washington, who's his major competition, you know, still not ready to go. So we'll see how that shakes out. Whether he has to go to the practice squad or whether he's one of these guys they they sneak on as part of fifty six or fifty seven. Yeah, Pepe's definitely for sure. I think he's started slot unless you have one of those teams that puts a big body in the slot, maybe. But, yeah, very feisty. I mean, he, he's he's like Tavon Young in a lot of ways. A great point there because, you know, the, the the teams will put a big body in the slot, and the Ravens obviously have the answer in terms of playing three safeties in this. But what it means is the slot corner is going to lose some snaps this year. They're not going to play a Tavon Young. Okay, that's that's like a loaded way to put it. They're not going to play a, a full-time slot corner role the same way that other teams do. Other teams have a nickel that, that might play almost 90% of their snaps. But that, that won't be the way in the Ravens. I mean, I expect a nickel to only play maybe uh, if the, the sum of all nickels, we'll call it, mm-hmm. uh, to only play about 50% of snaps uh, that are not safeties. Mm-hmm. So they'll play some base, base package snaps, some jumbo snaps, and then they'll play other snaps where um, uh, they have a, uh, a, a safety in as, the, as a big nickel whenever the other team looks at, you know, play some 12 personnel, for example. Yeah, I big proponent of big nickel for sure. All right. Uh, who we not talked about? We've got to go back to the offense here. Uh, Beatty. Okay. I think Beatty's next, right? He, he entered next? Yes. So you start. You seem to be ready to say. Um, you know, I didn't have too many notes on him, to be honest. I thought he had good acceleration as a kick returner. I thought he made a nice jump caught on an inside zone run, and he made another nice jump caught on a screen pass. Those are my three notes for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's not bad. Uh, what I really hope they would do, and, and he really only had maybe one play that he was in there as a pass blocker, and it didn't go well. That's the one that Cleveland was not helping him on. 
he should have, and, and, and maybe then it wouldn't have looked as bad as it did, but he got fairly overwhelmed on that right edge by Lawler. Um, and I think that might have been his only pass-blocking opportunity in the game. I, what I had really hoped is that they would manufacture, you know, four or five pass-blocking opportunities for him. It doesn't have to be 20, you know. We, obviously, he's not going to get that many total snaps, but it'd be nice to, when he's in there and it's a potential passing down, that you know you've got a guy who can pass-block if that's what you need. And, and uh, you know, some of the way the Ravens run their offense is to run a lot of verticals and, uh, and you know, empty out their backfield as needed and not have an outlet receiver of the Flacco-Rice connection nature because Lamar's his own outlet. You know, mm-hmm. he, him taking off with the football is the way it goes. But with Beatty, I really thought they were trying to build a screen game, and it would be nice to uh, see a guy who can um, block to be in on downs where you might want to pass. You don't want to give away the screen before you go, so there are times when he's going to be in there and you're going to pass the ball and he's, and he's, you know, he's got another responsibility to fill. So uh, it would be nice if they would manufacture some and, and really get an evaluation on him in that way. Sure, I agree with that. Um, the other two backs that saw time were uh, McCreary, who did have that um, really nice play, the, uh, the best run of the night for the Ravens. You know, he's just a really quality practice squad guy. He seems to just... You know, he's powerful, rugged running style, um, but he showed pretty good acceleration on that play, I thought. And uh, Corey Clement, um, good agility. I, I did. I thought he dropped the pass, but he also made up for it by making a man miss on another play. Um, question, so if you have these, you know, McCrary and Clement potentially practice squad candidates, and Hill is looking like the better option for this immediate season, would you risk Beatty? Because you know if you lose him, you might not lose him, but if you do lose him, you're okay with the, the fourth and fifth options you still have. Uh, I, I mean, I'd go out and say there's no way I'd risk Beatty. Even though he's only a sixth-round draft pick, it's just not the way Ravens way to cut a sixth-round draft pick with four years of option value sitting there. I, just, I, I don't see any way that he doesn't make the team. So okay. he could he could be a guy that goes to IR and is part of your fifty four through fifty seven group, but he can't be he can't be off the team and and I I don't think they would even risk him losing the year developmentally if he had kind of a some sort of minor injury by putting him on IR for the full year you know that the day by the way that teams do that is is gone I mean they they you, you got too much short term IR optionality that you can use to stash people with fake injuries at the end of camp. You stash them, you, you put them on the IR with, with the, the possibility that they can come back and help you if, you've, if you have a depth issue. I don't think Beatty, is, I don't think Beatty you know, misses the team. And I, don't think, I, I didn't see anything in the point of entry here that would tell me that's going to happen either. I know Dobbins and Edwards are coming back at some point, but um, you know, you've got to be five deep at running back to, to uh, stay healthy through a year at least. And I think Beatty gives them some things they didn't have before in terms of a receiver. So hopefully... Uh, he's there. I, I don't. I think you know it, it could be one of uh, Corey Clement and Mike Davis, but it can only be one. The other one's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't. I don't think you keep both of those. Uh, with regard to Hill, it's it's just down to the simple question of can he help the Ravens this year? And if if he doesn't even have to help them for the whole year, if he can help them for eight weeks, uh, it could be enough. You know, to, to to be a guy who threatens the line of scrimmage. And then at the end of that period of time, you might have to say goodbye to him at some point because you just don't have space on your roster. But it mm-hmm. could be that he plays his way into such a significant role that you IR a player like Beatty at that point. Mm-hmm. And you, and you uh, shut him down for the year when, uh, uh, 
when Gus Edwards comes back. But I think he would he would really have to take over as the blocking back and receiver for that sort of thing to happen. Mm. Well, nonetheless, interesting battle for those last one or two running backs. Something to watch in, in the coming preseason games. All right. So we didn't cover tight end yet. Let's talk about that mm-hmm. kind of briefly here. I, I, uh, we mentioned, I guess, a little bit about uh, about Poljan, who played you know almost thirty percent of the snaps and and uh, didn't do a whole lot, honestly, in the game. Didn't really look great as a blocker, uh, as far as I was concerned. At least he wasn't dominant uh, in any way that I saw. Oliver, I think we both expressed our indifference to in terms of of his current position I, I you know I'm a big proponent of option value he doesn't have any mm-hmm. so that's a that's a bummer uh, Isaiah likely is really the guy to talk about because the, the entire offense ran through him in that first half yeah yeah uh, three first downs four for four on his catches made some really nice catches I mean one he if they were playing basketball would have been an over the back uh, foul foul yep. Uh, and then he made another word. He went down low and got underneath the ball. Um, and and then he made another catch where it was a little, just a little uh, swing or just a little dump. And he juked right, juked left, mm-hmm. broke two tackles, picked up a first down. I really like to see that because there's, if you look at the roster, they don't have a whole lot of yak guys on this team. Mm-hmm. So to see the, the run up to the catch ability, that was a really good sign. Yeah, I, I think we saw... I think we saw three great things from Likely, and then we saw some really bad things that I want to get into, too. But Mm -hmm. the three Mm -hmm. great things we saw from Likely are catching the ball away from his body when it's available to him. It's not always possible. Sometimes you got to, you know, you got to kind of collect the ball near your body, like on the low catch. Uh, you know, but when he when he had the opportunity, I thought he did a good job on that. The other is we saw some a little bit of Anquan Bolden from the Super Bowl in him. You know, mm-hmm. you go back to that 2012 third and one play. Uh, Flacco threw it up down the right side, and and who's a defensive back on that side anyway? I'm going to say it's the Culliver or something, but it's not it's not exactly that. Uh, I, I I don't recall. It might be Culliver. Okay, so he had his hand up between Antoine Bolden's arms, and Antoine Bolden was still able to bring down the the football and basically catch it in such a way and take it to the yes. ground that the yes. Culliver's arm would have been taken off if he didn't eventually pull it out of there. And that's what likely did to that to that poor cornerback, whoever it was, uh, that that he that he ripped the ball away from in this game. And, and you know, the cornerback, to his credit, fought the ball all the way to the ground, but. Boy, I mean, it, he was <laughs> he was an injury candidate if he had uh, held on to it all the way at the end, and that's great to see likely uh, uh, physical it away from him in in that way. So I thought, as a receiver, I think he he showed everything he needed to in in terms of uh, of what he did. As a blocker, he was terrible, mm-hmm. just terrible. And the, the 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 two offensive holding penalties they were bad, okay. But they were on the edge, and some of that is, is, is probably correctable. Harbaugh talked about it after the game. You know, you just got to get used to how it's called. I think he's right. You know, that basically you, you, you need to it's, – it's not just a matter of knowing to be inside or outside like Rod Woodson was talking about. It's mm-hmm. a matter of knowing when to release, when, that, when you're no longer – it no longer matters that you're blocking that guy. And you've got to do it earlier rather than later. Something, you know, linemen immediately put their hands up in that situation to kind of show the, the official that nothing's going on. He he has to fix that. But on other plays, he didn't throw a block at all. He's in level right. two. He's he's got to he's got to get on a cornerback. And you know I want to see something there. So I, I thought that was one of the real deficiencies in the wide receiver group. By the way, from this game was they didn't make a lot of good blocks downfield. Benjamin Victor made one really good one uh, that, that I caught. But but other than that, there were there was not a lot of good blocking. I, I noted Bridges had a nice block downfield as well. Uh, but um, yeah, likely. I mean that's. 
how steep is the learning curve for the blocking aspect um, and how much can you use him as a H-back tight end to F tight end if if that's not up to speed I don't know uh, um, but but overall I mean as far as playmaker in the passing game he showed everything you want to see yeah I mean he's he's really fighting Mark Andrews for, for snaps if he's a pure flex tight end which is really what he was in this game he's not mm-hmm. he's not a move guy he's not an inline guy he's he, he's He's definitely not the guy you would motion across the formation. Okay, you could motion him across the formation if you want to get him a free release, but you can't motion him across the formation and make a big block in the, in the middle. At least I wouldn't trust him right now. I, I want to see him turn into Miles Boykin. Of course, that's what I want from every big physical receiver or tight end is a guy who keeps his feet when he blocks a level three player, a safety or a cornerback specifically, because those, those are the blocks that turn tens into thirties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's, I think, pretty much we've covered the tight ends. Um, ben, unless you wanted to discuss Ben Mason. Uh, actually, I thought he had a pretty good game, block, good, good game blocking here. He got a mm-hmm. plus one on my plus three to minus three uh, grades that are out there. Uh, number of effective lead blocks. He did miss one towards the end of his, uh, of his time in the game. Uh, and he spent, I think he, he was in there for a good portion of this ball game. Yes, he was in yes. there on the first drive and he was on there on the last drive. So he was in there intermittently through the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he made a nice, picked up a first down on a swing pass as well early mm-hmm. on. So, uh, yeah, excuse me, good depth good depth uh, practice squad player. Yeah, we, we say that with the wink-wink that Belichick <laughs> will probably want him back for whatever nefarious purposes. One of the reasons play New England in week three or four this year. So uh, Three. I think, three if they, I think if they can get by with him on the practice squad through that week, then I think they got a chance to keep him for the whole year. Right. <laughs> That'll be an interesting one. Uh, wide receiver, anybody we didn't hit on early? Jalen Moore? You know, he just had a quiet night. He really did. Um I think this is his third season now, or at least the third season since he's been since he's been finished college. Um, so the clock's ticking for him a little bit. Yeah, let me just see here. He is still a year one player, so he's got he's the clock is not yet ticking in terms okay. of his, his uh, things. But that's good. I mean, you know that that means he's got more value. And as a fairly seasoned guy, you know he 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 would have certainly been one of my early choices for Camp Darling. I, uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that the larger receivers don't have is there's not a huge big slot opportunity on the Ravens because they have so many flex tight ends. Right. Kolar and, and um, he was not, obviously not going to be here for the start of the season anyway, and likely and Andrews are all flex guys who, who you know, they want to move out anyway. And so it, it doesn't leave room for a 6'5 guy or a 6'4 guy to jump in there as a, as a guy who brings value as a, as a, as a big slot. He's really got to be an X. He can, he's got to be able to get off press coverage and be that guy that you want to um, have in there on the, on that usually left side of the field on the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor, we touched on already. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's 25. So he is three years out of college, but uh, you know, if he can stretch the field, I think, uh, the, the the biological clock's ticking, maybe not yes. the service clock. <laughs> yeah, still yeah, still service clock is still at year one. So you know, from that perspective, it'd be nice. But the biological clock's also important for a player like that. If you're projecting an increase, it might not be reasonable anymore for four year, you know four years of increased value. Yeah, so I'd really focus on Polk and Bridges. I mean, I think you know neither of them are are burners. They're both four six plus athletes. 
But Bridges in particular, I mean, I really think he showed a lot. Just high poning and his 50-50 balls and using the size to his advantage. Good body control in the air, I mm-hmm. thought. Um, so I think there could be a role for him as a, as a weekly activation, potentially, to be that, that uh, vertical threat. Yeah. All right. I uh, don't know if, we've, if we haven't touched on anything yet. We've touched on wide receiver, tight end, running back, quarterbacks, interior offensive linemen, and tackles. We got them all. Good. We got all right. All. Always a pleasure to talk football with me. My friend, uh, uh, just these discussions I just look forward to every time. Uh, appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Likewise. Tell, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yes, yeah, so I am at Vasilis Beatdown on Twitter, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. I am a, the co-managing editor for Baltimore Beatdown, part of the SB uh, Nation network of blogs, uh, having some nice discussions and um, you know about different tactical items and uh, in the comments section. So love to talk ball all day, every day. All right, outstanding. I know you're a very active presence on Twitter, and it's and, and, and get a lot of hot hot hotbed topics going each day. Uh, great, always to have you on. Other other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short with me, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. There's a lot of um, downtime but between this week and next week, and then between the last week of the of the preseason and the first game of the season. I'm going to do a couple different series there, um, but I also want to hear from you if you've got a topic. Uh, if it's analytic, that's great. If it's not, and and you want to talk about a pa- anything you're passionate about about roster construction whatever it might be love to hear from you uh i'll get back to you very quickly Voss, thanks again for for coming on thanks for having me and we'll talk to you next time on film study enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.